0: Hello and welcome to the Hindus podcast, Parley, where we try to look at different sides to an ongoing debate. And this week we are discussing the war in Ukraine, but with a focus on how India-US ties could be impacted by what's going on there. With me, Lisa Curtis, Senior Fellow and Director of the Indo-Pacific Security Program at the Center for a New American Security. Previously, Lisa served in the US White House as a Senior Director at the National Security Council. Also joining us is Sayed Akbaruddin. He was India's permanent representative to the United Nations and is now the Dean of the cortilla School of Public Policy. Of course, Ambassador Akbar didn't quite frequently on television when he was the spokesperson at the MEA. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: It's a delight to be here.
0: All right. Thank you
2: very much, Vasmi.
0: I'd, I'd like to start um, by asking what the perception of India's position has been. We've seen a fairly strong uh, statement made by the external affairs minister Jay Shankar, uh, speaking in parliament and saying that India's position is very simply one looking for peace and a return to dialogue and diplomacy. Um, but if I could start with you and ask you, Lisa, how do you see India's position? How does the U.S. see India's position on Russia's actions on the Ukraine war? Is it neutral?
1: Well, I think there there is um, a slight difference between sort of the the American public view, which is one of uh, frustration and confusion and uh, lack of appreciation for for India's position. I think, uh, you know, personally being somebody who has followed the U.S. India relationship for twenty five years, I've been personally disappointed uh, by India's uh, lack of condemnation of Russia and really uh, seeming sort of lack of appreciation for uh, the US uh, deep security interest in Europe and the, um, the uh, you know, um, really uh, horrific uh, war that Russia is imposing on the Ukrainians. That said, I would say that the Biden administration has really taken the long view Uh, of India. And of course, the Biden administration places um, high value on the strategic partnership with India, uh, views New Delhi as playing really a central role in its Indo-Pacific strategy and its approach to China. And I think that what we've seen is the Biden administration has really shown tremendous forbearance toward India's uh, disappointing response on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So I think there's a bit of nuance uh, where you see a lot of frustration coming from U.S. congressional members. We saw Congressman Joe Wilson's recent comments about, you know, how it's gruesome that um, India would be taking such a divergent position on Russia's invasion of Ukraine from the United States. But then a much more, you um, uh, patient approach, I would say, from the Biden administration. Um, and and so we see this sort of dichotomy, but I wonder how long um, the, the sort of forbearance and patience from the Biden administration can last um, unless we see uh, some kind of shift in India's position, which perhaps we're starting to see with the um, uh, you know, recent reports of civilian casualties, um, you know, we have seen that the Indian foreign minister, uh, has condemned the civilian casualties, which is really a welcome change in, in India's position, but how far, uh, India will adjust its position, um, it's still, you know, we, we just don't know.
0: Right. Um, uh, Akbar, if I may, uh, do you think India has kept a neutral position, a balanced position, uh, a position that uh, that really does uh, try to balance its interests as well as its uh, relationships?
2: Um, yes, uh, Swahasni, um I would term India's uh, position as evolving. Um, if you look at where we began and where we are today, we've um, traversed. A fairly long path. And uh, that path, each of those uh, elements um, that have come out are clearly uh, indicative of the trajectory of India's sympathies. So if you look at the first couple of statements that India made, there was not even a reference to international law or to um, violation of territorial integrity and sovereignty. Yet, since then, There are a whole host of nuanced positions that have been articulated. Maybe they've been lost in translation, but for any observer of, a careful observer of Indian foreign policy and its approaches to such issues, uh, I think uh, it's pretty clear that ours is a nuanced stance which is evolving. Um, It's now repeatedly condemning or or criticizing uh, transgression of international law a violation of uh, um, territorial integrity and sovereignty. There is uh, talk of um, uh, regret for the uh, outbreak of hostilities. All these, without naming so, are clearly aimed uh, at unhappiness towards what the Russians have done. Um, The most recent statement, actually, if you look, not only does it condemn um, uh, civilian killings, But for the first time in recent memory, India has supported a internationally independent inquiry. Now, this usually a very high high bar for this sort of a statement by uh, or reference by India. I don't recollect easily. uh, There may have been a few instances, but I don't recollect easily of such a response. If I were to look at it in granular detail, I would say uh, the trajectory is pretty clear, um, the direction is pretty clear, and the nuance keeps on uh, uh, adding. And it's pretty clear where the drift of sympathy or concern or um, uh, 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 drift of uh, sympathy, concern, as well as indication of India's unhappiness is. Um, so I wouldn't uh, say it's neutral. Uh, I would think that going by the yardsticks of Indian diplomacy, um, this is a much more nuanced but clearer indication of India's stance.
0: All right, but even so, India has not yet once named Russia, either, even though it is fairly clear, Uh, that Russia is the aggressor, that that they began the military operation, they began the invasion of Ukraine. And since then, we haven't seen, uh, you know, uh, that uh, balance of power really changing. So do you think that the fact that India does not mention Russia in any of its statements is an indicator that it is perhaps not as neutral as it claims it is?
2: So... um... Frankly, um, if you look at uh, previous instances of intervention, including in Iraq, the Indian Ministry of External Affairs never mentioned uh, what you're saying in that instance, too. And there are many, many instances going back to 1956, including uh, in Hungary or in the Czech Republic, then Czechoslovakia, in Afghanistan in 1979. So there are plenty of these. It's basically that's not the Indian tradition. Perhaps you can call it hedging, Uh, perhaps you can call it uh, playing safe, but there's a trajectory and history to this uh, approach. And if you weigh these present uh, approach compared to those, uh, you will find that the distinctions are pretty clear. Also, it's true that, that, um, let me come at it another way. If you look at the big picture, um, you will find that not once has India voted in nine times in support of the Russian Federation, not once. Uh, Sure, India's uh, abstention uh, at times uh, has um, uh, worked in favor of the Russian Federation given the um, uh, rules of procedure in some bodies. But that may be likely to change as we go forward Uh, The next abstention, if it ever happens, uh, if this thing comes to a word, would not be seen as in favor of the Russian Federation um, if the issues that we are thinking are going to come up in front of the General Assembly. So I would be a little wary uh, of uh, suddenly weighing India uh, by a yardstick, which it's never followed. Uh, Let's uh, assess it by a yardstick uh, that uh, is used to judge india in the past and by those yardsticks i think the drift is pretty clear
0: all right but it's still a far way away from where uh, western countries countries that are part of the sanctions regime would like india to be uh, lisa you mentioned earlier that given the the uh, reports of human rights violations the excesses the pictures that were shown to the un security council that the narrative is now shifting even further uh, do you think India's vote, particularly at places like the Human Rights Council, are going to be watched even more closely now.
1: Well, I think so. And let's uh, remember, it's not just Western countries that have condemned Russia's actions. Over 140 nations voted to condemn Russia's actions in the UN General Assembly. So India is... uh, very much um, isolated in its position of am- abstaining from condem- condemning Russia's actions in any way. So let's just be clear about that. Whereas uh, India may consider its position to be neutral, I think the rest of the world, uh, or at least most of the rest of the world, uh, sees India as uh, supportive of, of Russia. So I think that you know it, it really is relative. When you talk about neutrality, because if the rest of the world is condemning Russia's actions, and India and just a handful of other nations is failing to condemn uh, what Russia has done and what the U.S. considers unjustified and unprovoked war on the Ukrainians, a uh, sovereign, independent nation, if if India is one of, of very few countries uh, to fail to condemn Russia, then the rest of the world doesn't really see India's position as neutral. The rest of the world perceives India as supporting Russia. So I think that's that's something that maybe is not recognized inside India, but the rest of the world uh, sees uh, India's position as supportive of Russia. And I think that's where Indians have to ask themselves, do they really want to be on this side of history? Do they really want to be seen as supporting a country that has uh, unjustifiably uh, tried to invade a country, take over. Uh, Now it looks like we're seeing um, humanitarian uh, or human atrocities uh, may have been perpetrated on the Ukrainian people. Um, Is that really the kind of uh, global leader that India is seeking to be? And I think that that's a question that Indian officials um, must ask themselves.
0: All right, um, you, you did refer to understanding India's position when it came to defense dependency. In fact, uh, the government has more or less said there's a double standard uh, that uh, that the U.S. is expecting of India a kind of uh, you know move away from Russia at a time when in fact Europe itself is not. Uh, reducing its oil dependency, that Europe is still making carve-outs for things like fertilizers uh, and uh, and energy, of course. Um, Do you think that actually it is is possible to understand India's stand when it comes to Russia on the basis that there is a defense dependency, that there is a traditional relationship, or do you think that in the US there uh, there is no understanding of these?
1: Well, I think the uh, United States understands that India still relies on Russian military equipment, you know, for 60 to 70% of its military needs. The United States also understands that India is under threat from China. Only 2 years ago you had a major border crisis with, you know, 20 Indian soldiers being killed on the border. The first time you had loss of life on the India-China border, you know, in in many decades. Uh, so if if the India-China border um, heats up again, obviously India is going to rely on its military supplies from Russia. I think the U.S. understands that, but I think you know it's it's sort of the way that India is pursuing this policy. It's it's very defensive. It's very self-righteous about its um, continued uh, dependence on Russia, um, and and then I think if. India were to take advantage of discounted Russian oil, um, if it were to increase substantially its oil imports from Russia, I think it, it, that would be difficult for uh, U.S. officials to to understand. Um, so I think you know, whereas uh, the United States understands the military dependence. On Russia and that it will take time to reduce that dependence on Russian military equipment. Uh, what would not be understood is if India takes advantage of the situation to sort of um, you know prop up the Russian economy at a time when the rest of the world is trying to isolate Russia and uh, you know make sure that the sanctions, are effective, if India is seen as trying to skirt those sanctions, then yes, I think there there would be a, a lot of frustration with, with India.
0: All right, Akbar, I'd like your take on it from the Indian point of view. Is there an understanding of what is clearly a gathering US frustration that despite you know, so many years of better relations between India and the US, that we're not on the same page on this, uh, and that in fact, uh, the U.S. sees India as working to undo the, uh, the kind of actions it has taken when it comes to sanctions, its five-pronged uh, approach towards degrading and isolating the Russian economy. That if India is to do more engagement with Russia at this time, that it would actually be, as I said, undoing what the U.S. and its allies and its partners across the world are doing.
2: Um, So, Sohasni, I I take the point that um, there is a desire and a um, a hope that uh, given the ties that we have today, um, there could be greater uh, congruence in our interests, and um, that's a fair uh, point to uh, look at. Having said that, um, uh, we also noticed the way some of these, uh, you call it sanctions, but the right diplomatic terminology for them is unilateral uh, economic coercive measures. Um, These have sanctity in US laws. They also have sanctity in EU laws, Uh, but uh, from a perspective of international law, um, they do not have a legal backup. Uh, But leaving that aside, uh, uh, these are um, uh, measures which were promulgated between the US and the EU, about 30 plus countries in the world after consultations, after carving out uh, what exceptions they would like uh, because it uh, adversely affects their economy. So economic requirements were a fairly uh, serious input in those consultations. So you don't have um, sanctions or measures against uranium uh, imported by the US. You don't have uh, measures against oil uh, imported by Europe um, or um, uh, gas um, uh, uh, imported by Europe because uh, it's understandable that this would uh, give their economy a shock. Uh, now, uh, you counterpose that with what has been the level of co- uh, coordination, consultation with India and its economic needs. Let's not forget, India is still a developing country with huge economic needs. Uh, energy shocks uh, are, uh, we're still just on the verge of coming out of the COVID uh, related uh, economic shock. And here comes another one. Um, uh, petrol prices have increased by leaps and bounds. Um, food prices are increasing. Energy prices have gone up compared to last year by the UN Secretary General's uh, statement yesterday, um, in a year's time, doubled. So uh, absorption of these shocks uh, by a developing country's economy um, is a much, difficult, much more difficult task than absorption of these by even well-to-do uh, European economies, yet carve-outs have been provided. So uh, it's not the first time we've had these measures. Uh, these are quietly done and worked out behind the scenes rather than people coming over to India and saying there will be consequences, watch out for these. Um, uh, Russia is not going to come in support of you. But uh, when China uh, is um, uh, uh, on your borders, it's not a very comfortable feeling when your strategic partner comes and makes these statements in public um, uh, without previous consultation. So I think we need to understand there will be a a sort of a pushback uh, against these measures. And uh, uh, it's not only going to be in India. There will be such pushbacks elsewhere also. Um, and uh, it's uh, the, the, the way ahead is to finish these, have consultations, look at the needs, and then try. As um, Lisa has mentioned, uh, um, the defense needs are taken into account, uh, but uh, uh, countries like ours also require some element of understanding about our economic needs. Frankly, um, as was mentioned uh, recently, that the amount of oil that India imports from the Russian Federation is very small. Uh, This can easily be worked out because it's worked out in previous cases with Venezuela, uh, with Iran, uh, where the consumption perhaps in India was larger, except that at this time, the prices have gone up much more than were in those cases. So uh, there will be a um, uh, government will be under pressure to push back when it sees that carve-outs are being provided for others, um, uh, and concern for uh, India's economic needs are not at the same level. So we just need to be more considerate. Uh, It requires a little bit more of nimble diplomacy to try and address these things, and these are addressable issues.
0: All right. Interesting. And, and given the difference in positions, I'm sure both of you as former diplomats uh, don't envy the task ahead of the external affairs minister and the defense minister uh, and their counterparts in Washington when they meet for the two plus two in Washington, D.C. next week. Uh, so I do want to ask you, Lisa, do you think that India's position on Russia and on the Ukraine war? could impact india u s ties what do you really expect from a, a meeting like the two plus two then uh
1: yes I, I i want to comment on that but first i'd like to ask the question if the u s had done nothing when russia uh invaded ukraine a sovereign uh country and had, is not, had not imposed sanctions and Russia sort of got away with just taking over a country just because it, it had more military might. Uh, what do you think that would have done with China's calculations and you know its ability to maybe do something aggressive with Taiwan or to uh, create another border crisis? Uh, with with India, I think that's the question that I would like to ask the Indian people. That um, you know, there is a connection here. If uh, you know nobody stands up for territorial sovereignty of other countries, then you're simply going to have a, a world where might is right. And then, what does that mean for? India's relationship with China. And and, and I'll I'll quickly
0: toss that uh, to Akbar. Uh, Do you think India is, in fact, encouraging countries like China to to violate the international rules-based order even more when it fails to condemn Russia?
2: No, I don't think so, uh, because uh, I think it's not India's case that what Russia has done is right. Um, On the sanctions part, too, it's not India's case that um, there are Uh, a certain element of requirement to be responsive, Uh, those need to be uh, uh, taken into account. And that's not India's case at all. What is India's case is uh, that um, uh, what we term as uh, collateral impact or or unforeseen damage to other countries like India. And all we are asking is be mindful of that um, because uh, when countries do it unilaterally, it does impact on other countries and we are just, as strategic partners, we, I think we have a right to request them to be more understanding of our, uh, our needs than they've been. Um, and I don't think we're saying that nothing. So um, there's a nuance in that again, which right. perhaps has been missed out and which perhaps we need to convey with greater clarity.
0: Correct. Um, Lisa, to come back to the question of, do you think all of this, the the difference in position is going to impact India-US ties in the long term, as they discuss them at the 2 plus 2, there's also the talk about questions, whether the CATSA sanctions, which earlier New Delhi had certainly uh, expected, and uh, Washington had hinted there would be a waiver for, uh, may not happen at this time. Uh, How do you see the upcoming meeting?
1: Well, I think it is an opportunity for the two countries to further discuss their differences over Russia and elaborate on the bilateral agenda in terms of you know, progress that's been made, uh, new initiatives. So in, in some ways, even though behind closed doors, they'll have an opportunity uh, to have deep discussions about uh, Russia uh, and the way forward. I think the, the public element will focus on other areas of cooperation, so that we can see all of the uh, the things that the two countries are doing together. For example, in the Indo-Pacific. So I think it's it's well timed. Um, I'm glad it's moving forward despite the differences over Russia, because there really is a, a major comprehensive partnership between the two countries um, that is still important to both countries. And so this uh, two plus two will be an opportunity. Uh, to spotlight those areas of convergence and cooperation. Um, and I think the tenor of those talks will be a good indicator of the overall direction of the strategic partnership. And it will tell us whether the, the strains of the sharply divergent views over Russia um, are uh, going to have a long-term impact on the partnership. Um, and with regard to, to KatSA sanctions, um it, it is uh, a difficult time to talk about waiving sanctions on India for its purchase of the Russian S400. Whereas those discussions were moving forward before February 24th. I think now the the uh, there's been a suspension of that discussion. Um, and there's there's simply been no decision. and I think the administration probably rightly, understands that uh, perhaps this is not a good time to try to you know seek that waiver that uh, there may be some congressional pushback uh, because of India's position on Russia's invasion of Ukraine um so yeah I think you know we've yet to see where where that issue comes out but I think if India can demonstrate that it is, uh, it understands the importance of reducing its uh, military dependency on Russia. That will be important, um, you know, for India's own interest of Russia that is going to face these crushing sanctions will not be a dependable partner for India. Uh, this is just a fact that I think uh, Indian officials will have to, to start absorbing. February 24th changed everything. It it, uh, has changed. It's been a tectonic shift in the geopolitical uh, developments in the world. And I think that India has been slow to realize this, Um, but, you know, hopefully we'll we'll see uh, some adjustments in in India's strategy, Um, even if it doesn't happen overnight. I think if there's just some hints that India recognizes uh, the change situation with regard to Russia, um, that will be helpful for the bilateral relationship between the U.S. and India.
0: Well, right. from the Indian point of view, obviously, as you pointed out, uh, the Deputy NSA's comments on there being consequences or the idea uh, that India could face some kind of punitive action at all uh, is going to generate its own uh, very large backlash, and we've already seen some of that over the last week. How do you see the upcoming 2 plus 2? Do you think, in fact, the differences in position over this uh, Ukraine situation are going to impact India-U.S. ties in the long term?
2: Um, So um, uh, I agree with Lisa that um, India's, um, from an Indian perspective, India's um, uh, relations with the U.S. are expansive. They cover a large um, uh, uh, number of issues. Uh, And um, uh, the trajectory is pretty clear. It's only the pace at which uh, India has to move is in question now. Um, I think even today's newspapers, if you open up, there are several talking of um, uh, February uh, 2022 being India's moment of uh, 1990s uh, Uh, and try to become more pluralistic in sourcing defense uh, products. Um, But as we all know, these take time. Also, uh, technology that is available from one partner may not be available from the other partner. But I think India is pretty clear that the trajectory that we've seen for several years, we will continue. So uh, that augurs well for our relationship. Um, As was said, if the U.S., is taking a a longer term view of this. It is good for uh, India uh, because it provides greater space for that adjustment to be made um, because that adjustment is being made in everyday life everywhere. Uh, You can see it in terms of our um, uh, orientation um, of where do Indian students go to study? Um, um, uh, Who are India's main sources of investment? Uh, where is technology coming from? All these uh, added up are pretty clear. All that we need now is a uh, understanding of uh, trying to um, uh, work together to provide that space to g- go to the point that we would want. So I think the next, um, uh, the quad uh, sorry, the two plus two meeting is a good opportunity to work the other aspects of this relationship while uh, exchanging views on um, quietly uh, as among as uh, uh, strategic partners should uh, to um, uh, on areas where they may we may not see exactly eye to eye but we understand where the us is coming from and we would hope that the us uh, uh, has uh, understands our position too so i think it's a good opportunity to do that um, and I understand from there they go to Japan again. The drift is pretty clear. What does this mean that India has 2 plus 2 with the U.S. and with Japan? Where is it heading to? I think we don't need to articulate that further.
0: All right. That was going to be my final question to you. In fact, if I can start with you, Akbar, a few months ago when we saw the Quad Quad summit in Washington, I remember a lot of commentators saying, actually, this is a complete shift for the US, that in fact, its relations with its NATO partners will be more or less on a back burner. And it's really the Indo-Pacific that is going to be front and center for the US. Obviously, now, uh, and events and Russia's actions in Ukraine have changed that collaboration somewhat. But do you think that what we are seeing in terms of the war in Ukraine, Are going to is going to really impact the importance given to the Indo-Pacific and particularly to Quad cooperation? Do you think there'll be a shift?
2: So I see the Quad as a um, a partnership in non-traditional areas of security, Um, and this um, current situation has demonstrated to us how. Um, security is not only on the battlefield, but in a vast array of non-traditional areas too. We need to start looking at it, and Quad perhaps was a forerunner in this. Uh, whether it is mobility, whether it is uh, climate change, whether it is uh, health—you can name uh, uh, several of them. Of course, maritime security being one of them, but uh, uh, in but it has a much larger expanse. So um, I see. Uh, those areas gaining salience, uh, and Quad certainly gaining salience. Also, if we see the noises that some are making that Quad is an Asian NATO, obviously there are. It is causing concern in some uh, in some sections um, uh, about where is the Quad heading. Uh, frankly, I think the Quad members are pretty clear in how they need to play this. Um, focusing on non-traditional areas of cooperation which have a security uh, dimension and strengthening that security because that's going perhaps to be um, areas of concern for security in the future. I would think that the Quad uh, has the basis. Um, It certainly, as you said, will not um, uh, totally um, change um, the focus from Europe. That is a major area, uh, but, it then uh, makes us understand too the need for greater cooperation in these areas. Should there be a, um, a situation uh, uh, where all of us are challenged?
0: Sure. Very, very interesting that that could change what uh, where the focus will be is where the challenges come from, Lisa.
1: Yes, I think that um, uh, I agree with Ambassador Akradine that the uh, focus on economic and technology cooperation, vaccines, um, all of those working groups that have been established, uh, infrastructure space, that work will continue. And I think we can expect that, that those work streams to continue. Where I think the question will be is if India continues to rely on Russian military equipment for most of its needs. If it prioritizes relations with Russia, which is increasingly becoming almost a pariah state, um, then I think that could uh, impact um, the strategic cooperation of the four nations uh, in the future, and it could impinge on cooperation on maritime security, maritime domain awareness when it comes to, you know, trying to increase. Communications, uh, intelligence sharing—you know—between the the four nations that could definitely be impacted uh, if India chooses to continue to have um, a close relationship with Russia as Russia becomes increasingly isolated within the international community.
0: All right. Certainly very interesting times are ahead for a relationship that has always defied uh, everyone's prognosis, whether it's been optimistic, whether it's been pessimistic. Uh, But India-U.S. ties will, in fact, uh, be watched closely for the weeks to come, uh, particularly as the conflict in Ukraine wears on. I'd like to thank Ambassador Saeed Akparuddin, Lisa Curtis. Thank you so much for joining us on the Hindus Parley. And if you've been listening in, thanks from the team.